0: Chapter Thirty-Two of Balsamo the Magician by Alexandre Dumas, translated by Henry L. Williams. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Nun's Husband. A deep silence long surrounded the two women, one in painful meditation, the other in astonishment, readily understood. If you were removed out of the nunnery, said Lady Louise, to break this silence, you are unaware of how it was done. Yet a convent is well enclosed and guarded, with bars to the windows, walls of height and a warder who keeps the keys. In Italy it is particularly so, where the regulations are stricter than in France. What can I tell your ladyship when I puzzle my brains without finding a clue? But if you saw this man, did you not blame him for the abduction?' I did, but he excused himself on the plea that he loved me. I told him that he frightened me, and that I was sure that I did not like him. The strange feeling is another kind. I am not myself when he is by, but his. Whatever he wills, I must do. One look fascinates me and subdues me. You see, lady, This must be magic. At least it is strange, if not supernatural, said the princess. But you are in the company of this man? Yes, but I do not love him. Then why not appeal to the authorities, your parents, the ecclesiastical powers? He so watched me that i could not move but you could have written on the road he stopped at houses where everything is owned by him and he is master of everybody when i asked the people about for writing materials they gave no answer they were his bondwomen but how did you travel at first in a post-chaise, but at Milan. He had a kind of house on wheels to continue the journey on. Still, he must have left you alone sometimes. Yes, but then he bade me sleep, and sleep I did, only waking up when he returned. You could not have strongly wanted to get away, observed Princess Louise, shaking her head, or else you would have managed it. Alas, I was so fascinated. By his loving speech and endearments? Seldom did he speak of love, and I remember me of no caresses save a kiss night and morning. Really, this is very strange, muttered the abbess, but as a suspicion struck her, she resumed. Repeat to me that you do not love him and that as no worldly tie unties you he would have no claim on you if he came he has none but tell me how you came here through all for i am in a fog said the princess i took advantage of a violent thunderstorm which broke on us near a town called nancy i believe He left me to go into a part of his travelling-house, which is inhabited by an old man. I leaped upon his horse, and fled. My resolution was to hide in Paris, or some great city, where I could be lost to all eyes, especially to his. When I arrived here, all were talking of your highness's retirement into the Carmelite convent, all extolled your piety, solicitude for the unhappy, and compassion for the afflicted this was a ray of heavenly light showing me that you alone were generous enough to receive me and powerful enough to defend me you continually appeal to power my child as though he were powerful i am ignorant what he is i only know that no king inspires more respect no idol commands more adoration "'than he from those to whom he deigns to reveal himself.' "'But his name? How is he entitled?' "'I have heard him called by many names, "'but only two remain in my memory. "'One is used by the old man who is travelling companion "'from Milan to where I left him, "'the other that he gives himself. "'The aged man calls him Ackerat, "'and that sounds anti-Christian.' does it not lady he calls himself joseph balsamo what does he say of himself he knows everything and divines what he knew not he is the contemporary of all time he has lived through all ages he speaks the lord forgive me and forgive him for such blasphemy not only of alexander the great caesar and charlemagne as though he had known them albeit i believe they were dead ever so long ago but also of the high priest caiaphas pontius pilate and our lord himself whose martyrdom he claims to have witnessed he is some quack said the princess louise i do not clearly understand the word madame but he is a dangerous man, terrible too, before whom everything bends, snaps, and crumbles away. when he is taken to be defenceless, he is armed at all points when believed alone, he stabs his foot and an army springs up, or at a beck of the finger, smiling the while very well, soothed the daughter of France. Take cheer, my child. You will be protected against him, so long as you desire the protection, of course. But do not believe any longer in these supernatural visions, born of a sick brain. In any case, the walls of St. Denis Abbey are a sure rampart against infernal power, and what is more to be dreaded, mark you, against human power. Now, what do you propose doing?' with this property of mine in jewels i mean to pay for my repose in a convent if possible in this one lorenza placed on the table some twenty thousand crowns worth of bracelets rings and earrings of price these jewels are mine as balsamo gave them to me and i shall turn them over to heaven's use i have nothing of his but his steed at gerard which was the instrument of my deliverance "'but I should like him to have it. "'So I solicit the favor of staying here, on my knees.' "'Rest easy, my child,' said the lady superior. "'From this time forth you may dwell among us, "'and when you shall have shown by your exemplary conduct "'that you deserve the favor, "'you may again be the bride of the Lord, "'and I will answer for it, "'that you will not be removed out of St. Denis "'without knowledge of the superior.' Lorenza fell at the princess's feet and poured forth the most affectionate and sincere thanks, but suddenly she rose on one knee and listened with trembling and pallor. Oh, God, how I shake! He is coming. He means to be my destroyer. That man is at hand. Do you not see how my limbs quiver? I see this indeed. Now, I feel the stab in my heart, continued the Italian. He comes nearer and nearer. You are mistaken. No, no, in spite of myself, he draws me to him. Hold me back from him. Princess Louise seized the speaker in her arms. Recover your senses, child, she said. Even if anyone came, even he, you would be in safety here. He approaches, I tell you, he approaches, screamed Lorenza, terrified into inertia, but with her hands and her eyes directed toward the room door. Madness, said the abbess, do you think that anybody can intrude on the royal lady of France, none but the bearer of an order from the king? I do not know how he entered, stammered the fugitive, recoiling, but... "'I am certain that he is coming up the stairs. "'He is not ten steps off. "'There he is.' "'The door flew open, so that the princess receded, "'frightened in spite of herself by the odd coincidence. "'But it was a nun who appeared. "'What do you want? "'Who is there?' cried her superior. "'Madame.' "'It is a nobleman who presents himself to have speech with your Royal Highness.' "'His title?' "'Count Phoenix, please your Highness.' "'Do you know the name is his?' inquired the Princess of the Fugitive. "'I do not know the name, but it is he,' she replied. "'Charged with a mission to the King of France from the King of Prussia,' said the nun." He wishes the honour of a hearing by your Highness. Princess Louise reflected an instant, then turning to Lorenza and bidding her go into her inner room, she ordered the sister to show in the visitor. She went and took her chair, waiting, not without emotion, for the sequel of the incident. Almost instantly reappearing, the Carmelite ushered in a man whom we have seen under the title of Phoenix, at the presentation of Jean Dupuis at court. He was garbed in the same Prussian uniform, of severe cut. He wore the military wig and the black stock, his expressive black eyes lowered in presence of Princess Louise, but only with the respect of any man for a princess of the royal house, whatever his rank. He raised them rapidly, as though he feared showing too much timidity. "'I thank your royal highness for the favour kindly done to me,' he said, though I reckoned upon it from knowing that your highness always upholds the unfortunate. "'I endeavour so to do, my lord,' replied the lady with dignity, for she hoped in ten minutes to defeat the man who impudently came to claim outside help, to oppress where he had abused his powers. The count bowed as if he did not see any hidden meaning in the rejoinder. "'What can I do for your lordship?' continued the lady, in the same tone of irony everything i should like your highness to believe that i would not without grave motives vex you in the solitude as she has chosen but you have sheltered a person in whom i am interested in all points what is the name of this person Lorenza feliciani what is this person to you a relative sister she is my wife "'Lorenza Feliciani, wife of Count Phoenix,' said the abbess, raising her voice, so as to be heard in the inner room. "'No Countess Phoenix is in Saint-Denis Abbey,' she dryly added. "'It may be,' said the count, who was not yet acknowledging his defeat. "'That your highness is not persuaded that Lorenza and Countess Phoenix are the same person.' kindly give the order that Lorenza shall be brought before you, and all doubt will cease. I ask pardon for being so persistent, but I am tenderly attached to this wife of mine, and I believe she is sorry we are separated, poor as is my merit. Ah! thought the princess. Lorenza spoke the truth, for this man is highly dangerous. The count stood with a calm bearing, strictly according to court etiquette i must prevaricate thought princess louise before she said my lord i am not in the position to restore a wife who is not here i understand your seeking her with such persistency if you love her as dearly as you say but you will have to seek elsewhere if you want success on entering the count had glanced round the closet and his gaze had caught a reflection however slight of the jewels placed by lorenza on the little table in the darkest corner by the sparkling phoenix recognized them if your royal highness would kindly collect your memory though i have to ask her to do such violence it will be recalled that lorenza friziani was here for she laid those jewels on yonder table before she retired into the next room the princess colored up as the count continued so that I wait solely for your highness's leave for me to order her to come forth, for I cannot doubt that she will immediately obey. The abbess remembered that Lorenza had locked the door behind her, and consequently that she could not be prevailed upon except by her own will to come out. No longer trying to dissimulate her vexation, and having been lying uselessly to this man, from whom nothing could be concealed, she said, Were she to enter... What would be done to her?' "'Nothing, your highness. She will merely tell you that she wishes to go with her husband.' This encouraged the princess, recalling the Italian woman's protests. "'It would seem that your highness does not believe me,' said the count, in answer to her apparent indignation. "'Is there anything incredible in Count Phoenix marrying Lorenzo Feliciani and claiming his wife?' I can easily lay before your Royal Highness's eyes the marriage certificate, properly signed by the priest who performed the ceremony. The princess started. For such calmness shook her conviction. He opened a portfolio and took out a twice-folded paper. This is the proof of my claim on my wife, he said. The signature ought to carry belief. It is that of the curate of St. John's in Strasbourg, well known to prince louis of rohan for one and were his eminence the cardinal here he is here at this very time exclaimed the abbess fastening fiery looks on the count his eminence has not left the abbey where he is with the cathedral canons so nothing is more easy than the verification you challenge this is a great boon to me said the count coolly replacing the document in the pocket-book. "'I hope this verification will dispel your Royal Highness's unjust suspicions against me.' "'Indeed! Impudence does disgust me,' said the Princess, ringing her hand-bell quickly. The nun in waiting entered hastily. "'Send my courier to carry this note to Cardinal Rohan, who is in the cathedral chapter. Let his eminence come hither as I await him.' while speaking she scribbled a couple of lines on paper which she handed to the nun whispering post two archers of the royal guard in the corridor and let not a soul issue without my leave go the count had watched all the princess's preparations to fight out the battle with him while she was writing he approached the inner room and he muttered some words while extending and working his hands in a movement more methodical than nervous with his eyes fastened on the door the princess, turning, caught him in the act. Madame, said the count, I am adjuring Lorenza Feliziani to come personally and confirm by her own words, and by her free will, whether I am or not a forger and an impostor, without prejudice to the other proofs your highness may exact. Lorenza, called out the count, rising above all, even to the princess's will. Come forth. The key grated in the lock, and the princess beheld with unspeakable apprehension the coming of the Italian beauty. Her eyes were fixed on the count, with no show of hatred or anger. "'What are you doing, child?' faltered the Lady Louise. "'And why do you come to the man whom you shunned? I told you that you were in safety there.' "'She is also in safety in my house, my lady,' replied the nobleman are you not in safety there lorenza he demanded of the refugee yes was the other's answer at the height of amazement the princess clasped her hands and dropped into her chair lorenza went on the count in a soft voice but one with the accent of command i am accused of doing you violence tell me if i have ever acted so towards you Never replied the woman in a clear and precise voice, but without any gesture accompanying the denial. Then what did the story about the abduction mean? questioned the princess. Lorenza remained dumb, but, looking at the Count, as though all her life and speech, which is its expression, must come from him. Her Highness doubtless wishes to know how you came to leave your nunnery. Relate what happened from your fainting in the choir until you awoke in our post-chaise. "'I remember,' said Lorenza, in the same monotonous voice. "'Speak, for I wish it.' "'When I fainted, as the scissors touched my hair, I was carried into my cell and placed in bed. My mother stayed with me until evening, when the village doctor declared that I was dead.' "'How did you know this?' inquired the princess. "'Her Highness wishes to know how you were aware of what went on,' said the Count. "'Strange thing,' said Lorenza. "'I could see and hear, but without having my eyes open, I was in a trance.' "'In fact,' said the abbess, i have heard dr truncheon speak of patients in catalepsy who were buried alive proceed lorenza my mother was in despair and would not believe in my death she passed six and thirty hours beside me without my making a move or uttering a sigh the priest came three times and told my mother that she was wrong to dispute the interment as her daughter had passed away just as she was speaking the vow and that my soul had gone straight from the altar to heaven but my mother insisted on watching all monday night tuesday morning i was in the same insensibility and my mother retired vanquished the nuns hooted her for the sacrilege the death candles were lighted in the chapel where the custom was for the exposure of the body to repose a day and a night i was shrouded dressed in white as i had not taken the vow my hands crossed on my bosom and a wreath of white blossoms placed on my brow when the coffin was brought in i felt a shiver pass over my body for i repeat i saw all that happened as though i were my second self standing invisibly beside my counterpart i was placed in the coffin and after my time of lying in state left with only the hospital sister to watch me a dreadful thought tormented me in this lethargy that i should be buried living on the morrow unless some interposition came each stroke of the time bell echoed in my heart for i was listening doleful idea to my own death knell heaven alone knows what efforts i made to break the iron bonds which held me down on the bier but it had pity on me in my frozen sleep since here i am midnight rang at the first stroke i felt that convulsion experienced whenever akarat approached me a shock came to my heart i saw him appear in the chapel doorway was it fright that you felt asked count phoenix no no it was joy bliss ecstasy for i knew that he came to tear me from the desperate death which i so abhorred slowly he came up to my coffin he smiled on me as he gazed for a moment and he said are you glad to live then come with me all the bonds snapped at his call i rose extricated myself from the bier as from the grave clothes and passed by the slumbering nun i followed him who for the second time had snatched me from death out in the courtyard i beheld the sky spangled with stars which never more had i expected to see i felt that cool night air which blesses not the dead but which is so refreshing to the living now said my liberator before quitting the convent choose between it and me will you be a nun or will you be my wife i wanted to be his wife and i followed him the tower gate was closed and locked he asked where were the keys and as i said in the pocket of the wardress who slept within he sent me there to get them five minutes after we were in the street i took his arm and we ran to the end of subiaco village a hundred paces beyond the last house a post-chaise was waiting already. we got in and off it went at a gallop and no violence was done you No threat was proffered? You followed the man willingly? Lorenza remained mute. Her Royal Highness asks you, Lorenza, if by threat or act I forced you to follow me. No, I went because I loved you, darling. With a triumphant smile, Count Phoenix turned round to the royal princess. End of chapter 32 Recording by John Van Stan, Savannah, Georgia.